Hi, it's John again, doing the second episode of the podcast about Mindhunter. For this one, it's going to be chapters four to six, and I'm going to do the same thing as last time because I like doing it, where I'll start with like a summary, super broad summary that'll probably take me 20 minutes to go through, and then I'll go into some stuff that I thought was good and some stuff that I thought was bad. But yeah, so in the first chapter... What happens is, basically, he just gets married to a girl named Pam Modica Monica. I'm not sure how. And after this, he gets stationed in Milwaukee, where he went to college for educational psychology at the same time. And when he's working here in the FBI, he had run-ins with actual bank robbers, hostage situations. He had to go through murder cases for the first time. And then, at the same time, again, there's a lot of stuff happening at this time period. His first daughter was born. And because of this, he thought that he should take some time off from being an agent because of how dangerous it is. And instead, he thought he should use his degree to become part of the BSU, or the Behavioral Science Unit. Which, his main goal was to prevent crimes before they even happened. It's not really how it shaped out. But there, he moved to the Quantico unit after this. And he met Howard Tetton and Patrick Mullaney, which were two of the higher-ups in the BSU and kind of like the main innovators. Then Dick Galt and Bob Ressler, who, when he starts getting into interviews later in this section, those are the people he works with. And at the same time, he started taking a hostage situation class where he learned how to be... uh, an effective negotiator and this it gave him some insight on profiling behavioral science in action and the cool thing I thought about this was cool he got taught by Howard Tetton and Patrick Mullaney so you got to see kind of like what the innovators at that time were doing I just thought that was cool and then after a little bit of time he was adopted into the BSU completely and he became one of only nine agents which is not a lot. I thought there would be a lot more, but this was early, like, 1960s is my guess, so I don't blame it. And after this, he became part of the unit. He started traveling around the country to dozens of police stations, and his goal every time was to educate them on some of the super, super extreme cases that they might encounter. But... Because of how experienced some of the officers were, how old they were, he found it really, really difficult to teach because they had like 10 years more experience than Douglas was. And this kind of led him into a brick wall. So to get around this, he decided that he would interview some of the country's most notorious criminals. And... By doing this, he hoped to understand what they really thought, what to look out for in criminals, preliminary. And he interviews Eleven initially, but in this chapter, he goes over his interviews with Ed Kemper and Charles Manson. I didn't even know he interviewed Charles Manson. That's crazy. But yeah, for the first thing that I wanted to go over was the hostage situation that he talks about in chapter four. And basically what happens, he's, this is the second hostage situation that he talks about, actually. 
this time he's a sniper positioned on the person taking hostages and he's on a nearby roof so not super close but basically everything's going haywire and the person holding their hostage i'll call them just crime dude he asked for his wife to be brought in and i thought what was cool douglas pointed out that this was a mistake and why because more often than not the person they request to be brought in was actually a contributor to the situation that they ended up in but the negotiator ends up doing it anyway bringing in the subject's wife and then he just ends up killing himself in the open super super jarring and then what i thought was interesting about this again like his commentary on what was wrong and what wasn't because that was another thing that kind of showed like the development of the bsu i thought he does that a lot in this book where he'll just sprinkle in stuff like that about developments i think it's pretty good but what i thought was interesting is when i was reading through it i thought it sounded familiar and it was because it was the first scene in the mindhunter show which i thought was cool i don't I don't know how I feel about it, though. There were a few changes, like... Douglas was actually the negotiator. Which was we a weird change. I'm not sure why they did that. But... In the show, it kind of served as the catalyst towards... The behavioral science unit. Under Douglas. And what he does. But... In the book... It was in chapter 3. With the gambler. Where he arrested him tried to figure out like why would you do this for what reason and honestly i have no idea why this end up ended up being the first scene it was pretty tense so i'm guessing that's why but it doesn't connect as well to behavioral science as the other ones so i'm not sure the show ended up being good anyway though so who cares and then the next thing i wanted to go over the big thing in this section was the Kemper interview and the Mason interview, and also how they kind of mirror each other. Or not mirror, like the opposite of mirror. Like a carnival mirror, I guess. So for Kemper, this guy was a huge guy. And what he did was he would pretend to give college and high school girls rides on the nearby campus but obviously he's in jail for life everything went wrong he would shoot these people dismember them really creepy terrible stuff but oh, i don't even want to talk about this it's so gross but he goes over how kemper had an abusive mother and was super distanced from society that this kind of fed into making Kemper violent. And so over time, Kemper had kind of a pent-up anger, and he wanted to get back at his own mother, which eventually he did. And the other weird thing that he goes over is that Kemper often went into police bars, which is just like a hangout spot for officers, and he would just talk about his own crimes. He wouldn't he obviously wouldn't convict himself or incriminate himself, but 
he would talk about like because they obviously knew that something was going on he would talk about like what developments they were making even though he was the criminal way in the open it was it was really really jarring to hear that and then he even this was insane apparently when he was getting interviewed by his psychiatrist for parole i think it was he had a woman's head in his trunk the whole time which was absurd and eventually after killing his mother he turned himself in because the police department locally had just couldn't catch him even though he was right under his nose so this case in summary it was kind of Kemper was a super low-key person. He had, like, a clear motivator for why he was doing these things. Because he would bury his victims, like, in his mom's backyard, facing up at their window. And stuff like that. So he was, like, a super low-key person. Hell-bent on getting revenge on his mother. And then Manson, on the other hand was a super small dude with hypnotic features as described by Douglas and <laughs> I thought this was funny he during the interview with Douglas and wrestler I think was who he was with this time he stood on his chair the entire time so he could look down on the interviewees which is kind of weird but it kind of makes sense when they start going over his personality and basically in California, 1967, he had the idea of becoming a rock icon. So he, he moved to California. And through this, he gained a lot of really young, really impressionable fans. Impressionable through empty ramblings in his songs. And he gained their full devotion with this. And he coerced them even further into his graphs with his philosophies. Just crazy, far-off stuff. Like, he thought that a race war would break out to cause the apocalypse, which eventually led his followers to murder, like, five people in their own home and the LeBlancia family in their own home. But, basically... I think it's pretty easy to see this guy was driven completely by power. So I thought the two interviews that they chose to talk about were super cool because of how drastically different they were, right? There were completely opposite personalities. So with Manson, obviously, he was super tiny and insanely power-driven. With Kemper... It was a gigantic guy, but super smart and very low-key. He was kind of doing it because he knew he was better than people. And that was his reason for doing stuff like that. And I thought that the structure of this was really, really great. Because by showing two different ideologies a person can have, a criminal can have, like... Obviously, these are super extreme examples, but it shows kind of like a huge spectrum that these criminals could be on. 
from this insane little dude to this insane big dude. <laughs> but by making such a huge spectrum of like, you could put anything in between those two people. It really makes you want to keep reading to see like who else he interviews, what they're like, stuff like that. And it was just great because at the same time, it made you want to understand what made them so evil. And while he kind of goes through that, it's such like, it's such a jarring thing. I've used that word so many times. A lot of this stuff is jarring in this book. But it's such an insane thing to have ever happened that you just want to keep reading to figure out like some more people. So yeah, I thought that was great. Overall, again, there's a lot of stuff in this chapter. I think this section was like 70 pages or something. A lot of it was just his family stuff setting up. But once he got into the interviews, and he'll keep going with this, I thought it was great. Just really good structure throughout the whole thing. And I think it kind of capitalized off the foreshadowing of the first few chapters as well with like the interviews that he did with the gambler i don't know it was just good <laughs> i should be just saying that but yeah uh of note the structure of this was great how he wrote the kemper manson interviews great so yeah i maybe i should give them rankings at the end maybe I'd give this section an 8 out of 10. But the last chapter, 10 out of 10. That was crazy. So yeah, thank you.